you're listening to the Sports Psych Podcast, where we bring you interviews, news and developments in the world of sports psychology and performance. So let's get started. There are a few audio issues in this episode, so apologies in advance. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Psych Podcast. This week I'm joined by Georgia Carter, who is a footballer, a coach and also Girls and Women's Development Officer at Dundee United. So firstly, Georgia, could you introduce yourself and uh, give us an idea about what it is that you currently do? Hi, um, yeah, so thanks for having me on this podcast. Um, my role currently is the Girls and Women's Development Officer at Dundee United. So I run and oversee the girls' pathway at the club. So it's just kind of creating a pathway for the girls to follow, um, just to replicate the boys' side. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my job at the club. Cool. Um, and you're kind of working from home at the moment, uh, like, like a lot of us um, during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, tell us a bit about how coronavirus has affected women's football and also how it's affected you personally as a player and a coach. Yeah, so it's kind of unfortunate because the league had only just started when coronavirus had hit. So most of us have only played one or two games. So everything's kind of just on a standstill. So for most clubs, that's really... Um, kind of a, an issue because we've just gone straight through pre-season and now we're, we're doing almost like a second pre-season so it's an issue for the players because it's you're just losing that game time and the fitness will drop so you've got to be out running and you've got to keep yourself motivated to stay fit even in like the pandemic so that's been quite a struggle especially with football being such a team sport you've been out on your own basically this whole for the last 10 weeks just making sure when you go back, you're not going to be behind the rest. So that's been a bit of an issue. Um, I think it's one of those things where the in order to come back, you need a lot of testing and you need a lot of things in place. And for most clubs in the women's game, we just don't have the financial support for that. So it's been quite a struggle for many clubs just to get ourselves back because we don't have as much money to be spending on kind of the tests and all the equipment and all the sanitization that you need to come back so it is an issue but it's kind of one that we'll just face head on just like everyone else and hopefully one day it won't be an issue in women's football where money is such a factor but as as of now it is so I think everyone's just kind of dealing with it as as you would yeah I mean you've obviously been involved in the game for a long time um tell us a bit about your school days and and what what that was like um you know attending a, a performance school on a football kind of pathway mm-hmm. so ever since i was younger i've really really been drawn to football um, i've always had the mindset that i really wanted to go far make a career out of it um and all that i just really loved the game so when i was younger i used to play for aberdeen ladies i was with them for about 11 years and went through their youth setup um which is i really good i really enjoyed that um, and when I was there, I got the chance to be in the Hazel High Performance School, which is such an honour and not something I thought like would ever happen. But honestly, when I look back, um, I was out practising every single day, like in the streets. Just when I always had a football at my feet. So now that looking back as a coach, I'm not surprised that I managed to get kind of that opportunity. But at the time, it, it wasn't really sh- like... I didn't realise how big a deal it was at the time. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was a chance to kind of get 
football coaching during your school timetable. So I would have a timetable that would have like history, English, and then I'd have a double period of football. Um, and it was really good. It got me on the ball a lot. But the only thing was I was the only girl in the academy. So that was uh, the social side was a bit more awkward just for myself. I think some of the issues that I faced, don't think any of the other players really faced them. So just like getting changed by yourself, um, the shower situation in the girls wasn't the same. So I'd usually be a bit like muddy going to train it, going back into class and stuff. Whereas the boys, there was like 50 of them. So I understand why the money was pushed into that. Whereas there's only one of me. So they would all be kind of fresh. And then I would just have to like go back, but I didn't really care at the time. Um, and it'd just be like a different thing. Cause they would all be in the changing room. They'd all be friends as well. Whereas I had friends that were kind of girls, like just people I, was, I would be drawn to, I guess, that were more like me that I would hang out with, whereas I didn't hang out with much of them. So it was a wee bit more kind of awkward, but it's just something that I kind of, I just got over, I guess, at the time. But it was, it was definitely like a factor that was always on my mind. And just like when you had to go into partners and stuff, I was fortunate that the majority of the boys were really like kind and supportive. So it was fine, but it was a wee bit like, I would always be kind of like the obvious, like odd one out. And I think despite all that, you know, you, you've kind of gone on to, to make a career of this. Um, and I think it's fair to say, you know, you've had your highs and lows um, so far. Um, you know, you've, you've played for Scotland, representing your country, um, but you've also had a long-term ACL injury. So what is it like to process these types of things, you know, when you're still so young? Yeah, so all of that, that must have happened in the space of about a year. I was 14, 15 at the time, and I was still in the performance school, which I'm really grateful for. So I had Stuart Glenning as a head coach, and he supported me a lot. He was he was really good at his job, and he would give the time of day to everyone in the academy, even though there's so much of us. So I think having him there really helped. Um so it helped me get into the Scotland setup to start with, which I was I was absolutely loving. It was like the best feeling. I was, I was honestly on top of the world. And I knew that it was it was good to get there, but I really wanted to stay at that level. So I would do everything I could to kind of stay at that level. So it was so annoying when the injury that I had was one that I couldn't prevent. So there was nothing that I had done to force this injury upon myself. It was a simple change of direction in a game which you do every single time in training, which you don't even think of that just kind of caused it. So it did, it put me out for, I ended up doing it, I did it once and then did the physio rehab and then I did it again properly, like fully. So I ended up having to go down the surgery route. So in total, it kind of affected me about two years. Wow. So by the time I was back, I was way out of the Scotland setup. I was getting called up for the under 16s and under 15s at the time. But since I was out for two years, my name kind of got wiped off of that. So I really struggled and like getting back into that and it's something I still really love to do but I'm so far off of it and lost two years of my kind of training which I always think if I had them two years how much better I would be as a player mm-hmm. so it was really difficult at the time especially to process it because when the injury happened I knew I'd be out for a long time so to go from playing every single day twice a day it was honestly the whole week at school. It was so difficult to just go to nothing, almost. The physio was fine, but it was nowhere near the actual game. So it was very frustrating. And yeah, it did get me down a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And do you remember 
kind of your return to football did you have to set specific goals um and like ease yourself back into it you know how did you cope with the transition back into the game when you're coming back from injury yeah, so I was put on a programme, just a physio programme, so because I was in the performance school, I, I did have the time in my timetable to do these exercises more than I would have if I was just like um, a normal student at school, where that might have caused me to be a wee bit longer. So I was doing the exercises more than I had to, so it did accelerate my rehabilitation process, which is, I was really happy with, but there's only so much you can accelerate that kind of injury with. So it was a, a big waiting game almost. Um, so I just sort, sort of did that. I got to work with the academy physios, which is really helpful because at the club, being at Aberdeen, they did try and help me, but they didn't have the money or the kind of people behind it at the time that were properly there to kind of help me and be with me the full way. So I had a number of physios helping me, but the ones at the academy were the ones that would come in and actually do one-to-one work with me, which definitely would have helped. Um it was more about definitely about setting kind of small goals because when you're at the start of the huge process, you're told straight away, like, I think they told me that I would never be at the same level as I was. And I was only an under-15s kind of player at the time. So I wasn't even that high. I played for my country, but I, w- I wouldn't have said I was anywhere near the standard I was hoping to get to one day. So to hear that was quite a kind of a, a upset, but it also kind of drove me to make sure that that didn't happen almost Mm -hmm. so I didn't I did take the doctor's kind of words on board but I did use it as a driving factor as well um so it was just about setting little goals along the way and having having the end goal but meeting little goals whether that's kind of being able to walk properly again without a limp and get being able to bend your leg fully and even tiny things like that was such an achievement and honestly made me so happy and then the muscle wastage as well when I could see my muscles building again it was like the best feeling ever so little things like that were helping and if I hadn't focused on small goals it would have been such a long journey and probably would have got me down even more than kind of I was so these little achievements just helped me along the way to keep me focused and make me realize that I was progressing even though it was such a long kind of road ahead yeah I suppose when something like that happens to you so young it kind of sets your mindset up for for the future you know you've been through this massive adversity in your career already at that young age you know that's that's quite a big a big deal um so kind of coming back to the present day um, you're now the girls and women's development officer at Dundee United uh, this involves overseeing the girls academy at the club so what are your aims for that setup and what is on offer at the moment within the Girls Academy? Um, so the Academy is a new project that we've introduced. Um, I'm still quite new into the role, so we're still kind of finding our feet and we're really trying to make this Girls Academy ideally be the same standard as the Boys Academy. However, they're very, very, um, a, a really high standard there, which is something that I would love to get to and it's always an aim. So I definitely use them as my inspiration at the moment. But currently we have four teams. We have the under-9s, the under-11s, the under-13s and the under-15s. And then we also have the women's team um, who are in the SWPL too. So they're the kind of the top of this just now. Hopefully one day they can be in the SWPL1, but we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, so it's just kind of building a full pathway so that a player would be able to move from the under-9s all the way up 
into the women's team and have that kind of stepping stone each way. So we've got them four teams just now, um, the under 13s and 15s train twice a week. And we offer strength and conditioning to our under 15s players as well um, as our women's team players. And the rest of them is all, at that young age, it's all about fun, kind of keeping them in the game as well as trying to condition them to be the better footballers. You don't want to overload them at that age because it is it is all about having fun and stuff. But I do like to think that majority of the issues that the girls will encounter or are going through, I've kind of been through myself or even vaguely kind of know how it feels. So I've got a girl in my under-15s who's just away to get ACL surgery. So I was having a conversation with her just saying like, like how it was and saying that I've already been through that. So I'll know exactly how she's feeling on days and I'll know how it'll feel when she's sitting at the side and she's not able to do it, even though she might kind of put on a brave face. I can I know how it'll feel. So I like to think that that would like, help me in my career, career in this kind of industry, just knowing how it, how it is to be a player, but also having a little bit of knowledge of the coaching side as well so that I can like really get the best out of these players. Mm-hmm. It's important that the girls have a role model in you as well. You know, if you've had these experiences, um, they can look to you for for support. Um, have you been offering sessions online um, during this time away uh, during coronavirus? Have you still been communicating with the girls in the academy? Yeah, so I tried to communicate with them as much as I could. Um, obviously, due to coronavirus, I was put on furlough for the majority of it, which was really frustrating because I just really wanted to kind of get back speaking to them. And it's one of those jobs which is kind of 24-7, whereas if a, if a parent phones me at 10 p.m., I'll easily answer the phone. And if someone needs me at like 8 a.m., I'll easily kind of go and help them. So it's one of those jobs where it's more more important off the pitch at, as it can be on the pitch at times. Um, so it was really kind of difficult that way. But now that I'm off of furlough and um, we've been – delivering online training sessions for the girls so each team has their own individual training sessions each um, age group has a chance to do a kind of fitness slash strength and conditioning class as well just age appropriate obviously and then there's an extra just an optional weekend Saturday morning session for any girls who just want to kick about on a Saturday morning seeing as that's the day that they're always playing matches and they're always up early and excitement so we offer that as an optional extra for anyone who wants to come along. And honestly, the feedback and the attendance has been really, really high. And I'm very proud of the girls for kind of sticking to it. And even when I was on furlough, I was getting sent lots of videos of them out training and doing things. And it was really good to see that they were so dedicated, even in such a kind of strange time. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I think as well with the schooling of the kids being online and things like that as well they're so used to engaging with online content and it's really shifting the way that education is being delivered and um, so it's great that they can also have football sessions online and still participate and keep fit as well that's massively massively important um i'll link the details of like girls academy social media and stuff in the show notes for this episode so that people can check that out um so to kind of close off the chat then um what advice would you have for girls who are looking to make a career out of football um so my advice quite simply would just be to make sure you're enjoying it um i always enjoyed my football and that was the main factor to make me want to go through kind of long long injuries and uh just such a it can be a lot of ups and downs in it but as long as you're enjoying what you do there's no reason why you can't kind of 
push on. And I think a lot of it is the like the hard work you do behind the scenes. So the things that you do when no one's watching really the things that you do when no one's watching really do make the difference. So if you do them extra couple runs, if you can go out and motivate yourself to do um, a little bit of fast feet work, a little bit of keepy ups, try and get some skills. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but the more that you do, the kind of better you'll get almost. But definitely the number one thing I would say is just enjoy it. Enjoy it and work hard. That's great advice. Um, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Um, I hope that the listeners have been inspired by your story. Uh, as I mentioned, I'll link the details for the Girls Academy um, uh, in the show notes so that people can check those out for more info if they want to. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're using a different platform. If you'd like to appear on the show or if you have any ideas for future episodes, please get in touch on Twitter at underscore sports psych. Thanks very much for listening and see you next time.